Hello, how's everybody doing? Welcome back to the Views from the 573 Podcast, back for another week. Diving into this crazy world we call the sports world, and boy, have there been a couple crazy things that have happened in the last 24 hours. We're going to talk about that a little bit later on the show. We're probably going to lead off with that, as a matter of fact. That's a big news story of the last 24 hours with James Harden getting traded to the Brooklyn Nets. So we're going to dive right into that first along with a whole other bunch of topics talking about the NBA, what's been going on with them, postponing games, what are they going to do, how are they going to switch up some protocols. Talk a little college, or probably our last big college football week that we're going to have on here for a little while here, probably until, unless something big happens, maybe the summer, unless something, again, unless something big pops up. And we're going to be talking about the national championship game. Talking a little bit about that, that happened on Monday night. And there's some NFL topics we need to talk about. Sean Watson, what's going on with him and the Texans? Can he find a way out? Who could he go to? Urban Meyer. Looking more likely he's going to go to Jacksonville. Playoffs. Let's talk about the playoffs. Super Bowl card weekend was so fun. And let's talk about the divisional round. So, that's the docket for the show this week. We're going to start off NBA, go to college, and then go to pros. And uh, that's going to be the show this week. So, buckle up, everybody. It's going to be a wild one starting off with the NBA up at the top. But, of course, get some house cleaning items out of the way. We are sponsored by Anchor, the best way to make a podcast. If you're looking to make a podcast like me, or if you already have one, if you want to find a new way to try to host a new website to host your podcast, Anchor is the best choice for you. They got all the tools that you need to help make your podcast sound great. I can't recommend this enough, guys. Anchor's awesome. Got a lot of cool features. Can help you edit your own podcast if you, if you need any help in there. Add in some transitions, some music, whatever you want. You can specialize your own podcast. So, if you're looking for something new, if you're a podcaster, or if you're just trying to get started out, Anchor is the best way to go. You can find us on SoundCloud, Stitcher, Spotify, iTunes, iHeartRadio. Go check us out on any of those platforms, whichever your preference. Subscribe, share. And keep up with the latest action coming from us. So now with that out of the way guys. Let's go into the big topic of discussion. And that is James Harden. We've been waiting to see what was going to happen. A lot of stuff boiled over the last few hours before this trade went happen. uh, Before this trade went down. And it gets made official. Harden is going to the Brooklyn Nets. There's a lot of talk about Philly as well. Those are the two main options. Was Philly going to be willing to trade Ben Simmons? Matisse Tybal was also mentioned as being somebody the Rockets would want in a potential trade. But the Nets, they come in, and they come in with a big package, a four-team trade, including the Cavs and the Pacers with the Rockets getting four unprotected draft picks, including one from, I believe it was the Cavs, I believe, Cavs or the Pacers. It 
I forget which one it was. I think it was the, a pick that they got from Milwaukee. So they get four first round unprotected picks. And they also get four unprotected pick swaps. So eight picks in total, including a couple second rounders that they're going to get as well. And they also get in this four team trade, Victor Oladipo, who does have an expiring contract this upcoming season. I think you were wondering what Indiana was going to do with Oladipo. And now they don't have to worry about that. They trade him to Houston. The Cavs, not, not bad. Jared Allen, Tarin Prince, you know, not a bad haul. You add Jared Allen to that Cavs roster. And yeah, Drum- Drummond's been pretty good this year. But he's going to be a free agent at after the end of the season. And so, now you can add Allen, who's still young. He's going to be 23 by the time next season rolls. And you got him there with Garland, Sexton, who's been balling out. So, you got something there for if you're Cleveland. But you just got so many big men. It's like the Pistons right now. But I'd like Jared Allen going to the Cavs. That's a good pickup for them. Trying to get... Him added to their young nucleus that they got there in Cleveland. And then Indiana. They get Karis LeVert. I really like Karis LeVert going to Indiana. He's a little bit younger than Oladipo. He's still got three years left on his deal. And also, if you don't watch it, he can drop 30 or 40 on you in a hot minute before you even realize it. And so I'm really excited to see what he does in Indiana. Sabonis has been pretty good this year. You pair him with him, Turner, Brogdon, who's been playing really good this year. TJ Warren, once he gets back, that's not a bad team in Indiana. So he's, Lavert's going to see some of his touches increase as he goes to Indiana. And he's going to be, I think that's a really good pickup for Indiana, bringing him in. Who knows it? Maybe he could have a chance to be an all-star. I'm just throwing that out there. It's a really good spot for him. Really good pickup for Indiana. And now you don't have to worry about the Oladipo contract. And you get something for him. You actually get something for him. And a pretty, really good piece in Levert. But let's talk about the, the Nets and Rockets here. Since they are the two teams that are the main talking points of this trade. Listen, for the Rockets, this was this was something that you were probably going to have to do with everything that was being talked about by Boogie, by John Wall, and how it, w- it wasn't in a good place with them, the rest of the team, and Harden, that it, it was just not in a good place. And it just really, it, that was the boiling point right there. And so now you do take the risk of trading Harden, but... Look at the package that you get for Harden. All those draft picks and Oladipo, who you can you can figure out what you want to do with them in the offseason. Do you want to keep them? Or do you want to say, hey, let's let this contract expire and we get some cap relief and let's go out and try to see what we can do? You know, and they also replenish their draft stock. I mean, Houston's been known to make trades during the Harden era where 
they have to trade a lot of picks, some first round picks. And now they get some back here for the next several years. But also, you know, you were able to turn that uh, what you've done over the last few years in that initial Harden trade. You get a lot of playoff runs. You get one team that comes freaking close to knocking off Golden State. You get a guy in Harden who later becomes one of the top premier players in the league. Offensively, it's just a headache. Crafty, skilled. And it gives you a headache, especially going into the lane. And so, you do that trade, and then you go and pull this off. Raphael Stone, the Rockets GM, this is pro- even though with the 76ers, you probably could have got Ben Simmons, Ty Bowl, some first-rounders. I think this is good for Houston. Oladipo still a pretty good player. He's probably not on the level of Ben Simmons. But you get Old Depot, you get all those draft picks, and you can see what you can do going forward for the next few years with the future and how you can rebuild this team up to the level that you were once were and maybe try to get over that hump of getting to the NBA Finals. Now let's talk about the Nets. One of my concerns when Harden, the Harden rumors were being brought up and Brooklyn was mentioned as a potential option I was worried that watch out for going the route they went a few years ago with Paul Pierce and KG and trading a lot of assets, a lot of depth for something you might not know even works. And I think this trade says a whole lot. It says that they trust that this team is, they're going to build this team up next few years and they know those unprotected draft picks are going to be low. But you never know what's going to happen in a given season. And, you know, they thought the same thing probably with Pierce and Garnett. Although Pierce and Garnett, they're a little bit older than Harden was by the time the the Nets did this deal. And also, you got a player of the caliber of Kevin Durant. So, that's one thing I consider is that... that these Nets teams are drastically different and how this team is constructed and how that team was constructed. Sure, they had guys on that on that Nets team, but none of the none of the caliber of KD at all. But if you're the Nets, you are excited about this. Because, I mean, come on. You're bringing in one of the top offensive players in the league and maybe of the last... I don't even know what number to put on it. But like he and KD have won the last 7-11 scoring titles. Which is nuts. You had those two guys. And also, I'm really interested to see what the Harden-KD duo looks like. We've seen how the Russ and KD duo, we've seen what that looks like. Now we're going to get a chance to see what Harden and KD look like together. I've always kind of thought those two would probably be would work more than Westbrook and KD or Westbrook and Harden. Because with Harden and KD, it's like, who the crap are you going to stop? 
you try to you try to go and contain KD. Well, here's Harden popping off. You go try to contain Harden. Well, here's KD popping off, knocking off everything from the mid range to thirty foot deep. And you know, with Harden's skills as a as a guy that can play play the point, that were developed by his time in Houston with Mike D'Antonio, which who's now in Brooklyn. So that Harden KD pick and roll could get deadly really quick, really in a hurry. And now we're going to get to see what these two on the same floor look like in their current states. The last time we saw these two on the same team together, it was still young in their careers, still in Oklahoma City, and they weren't the players that they were yet. KD, KD was looking very much like the player that we thought he would become later on. He wasn't quite there yet. Harden, we didn't know. And it took him going to Houston to finding out like, oh crap, this guy's legit terrifying on the offensive end. So now you get to see these two offensive juggernauts go out there and just, like, who are you going to stop? And then that's not even including Kyrie. I'm interested to see what the chemistry between those three guys are. How are they going to handle that? How's Kyrie going to do? With that, you know, there's been a lot of stuff coming up about Kyrie over the last several days. There was one that said that he, you know, he didn't get input on the head coaching position. And he didn't really know how to feel about Steve Nash. And, you know, one thing one thing that might have leaned into Brooklyn making this trade now is that you don't know with Kyrie. He's been gone for, I'm doing air quotes, personal reasons. But you're looking at what's been going on in the news you really don't know what's gonna what's going on with him. Like, when is he coming back? And also, he's got to go through all the stuff to even get back on the floor. He's got to test negative a certain amount of times, and he's gonna miss some games for that. And also, it depends on what the league is gonna do with him. And, and seeing that video that's been surfaced about him with no mask on. So that's probably as much of a motivating factor in getting this deal done is that we don't know what's going on with Kyrie. You get Horton here. He's going to want to be here. And so you don't have to worry about that. And also you pair him with KD. They still got some guys on that roster. Joe Harris, DeAndre Jordan, a couple other guys. You know, if you're a Nets fan, you probably hate that Spencer Dinwiddie's out because... Hey, that w- it would have been nice to see him with this team. But it's going to be fascinating to watch this thing go on in Brooklyn, whether it works or not. It's going to be really fun to see if it's going to be an absolute dumpster fire or if this is going to be legit terrifying for NBA teams. It's, it's probably going to be a little bit mixture of both, is that you really don't know what's going to happen if... Or when Kyrie comes back, could that escalate things a little bit? We don't know. But this is going to be something to watch out for. And uh, I'm really interested to see what Harden, Katie, and this Brooklyn squad does from here on out. And like I said, the Rockets, really good haul that they got for Harden. Really good. Eight draft picks, you know. It's a ton. You know, Raphael Stone might be getting into the Sam Presti mode, just like, we're just going to get all these picks together. 
Cavs, like what they did. Getting Jared Allen, Tarner Prince, nice pieces there. All right, good. And then the Pacers getting Karis LeVert. Again, like really like that piece for Indiana. Getting LeVert. He's, he's got three years left on his deal. Could, if he takes a jump, could be a guy that could be an all-star in the East. So, I think for all these teams, I like the deals. I am a little bit wary of the Nets deal because they've done something like this before and it backfired. Will it backfire again on them? So that'll be something to obviously watch. And speaking of Kyrie, speaking of the NBA looking into some stuff with in regards to him maybe potentially breaking COVID-19 protocols, I believe we're up to nine postponed games now. As of recording this around you know, 12.30 this afternoon. I mean, I I think when you, you look at this, it goes back to the argument that when the MLB started back, hey, we knew that this was probably going to happen. We knew we were probably going to have a lot of players test positive, that we would have a lot of games postponed, that you'd have a lot of teams affected by this. And they pushed through. They found a way, and they got to the World Series at the end of the day. And complete their season. Doesn't matter how short or long it was. They found a way. They pushed through. The NBA is probably going to have to be the same way here. And you're seeing all these postponements. And you're thinking like. Oh crap. This is happening. You have all these games postponed. You have all these players testing it positive. Contact tracing. All this stuff. Are people not taking this seriously? Are people going out like Kyrie? without their mask, to, like, big gatherings. Listen. You you probably were going to have to change up your protocols a little bit. That's what the MLB and NFL did during their seasons. You're going to have to tighten them up and then find a way to push through. And then, I think you'll be fine. I mean, we can't expect... Did not know that this would happen eventually. We knew at some point that this was going to happen. It was just, it wasn't a matter of if, it was just a matter of when. And of course, it happens earlier, early in the season, just like it did with MLB. So, I don't know, I don't know. You, 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 were, you were probably expecting this if you were Adam Silver, if you were people in the NBA offices. Is that, hey, we were pro- we're probably going to have to tighten these protocols anyway. This gives us a chance to do that and limit to what's going on on the court, what's going on off the court with these players and try to make sure they do not come into anybody in contact that may have had the virus or may have also come in contact with the virus. So this was probably their thinking like, hey, we have these protocols in place, but we do know Stuff is going to pop off. You're probably going to postpone some games. But we just got to find a way to tighten our protocols and push through and get to the end of the season. And the season 70 games, it might be a little ambitious in thinking about it now. But I think if you're the NBA, you just find a way 
push through. Some teams are going to be screwed over a little bit. That was a big talking point in the NFL, though we didn't have any NFL games canceled. Of teams getting screwed over because of their bye weeks. So that may be a topic point of conversation later on in the season where you might have a lot of teams get screwed because they this team didn't play this amount of games and it could affect the playoff spot for sure. But I think from the NBA, you knew this was going to happen. You're going to have to try to find a way to push through. The MLB did. The NFL did. Now it's time for the NBA to find a way too to push through. Get to that place where you can get to the postseason and potentially do a bubble again. Because it worked really well the first time. Why wouldn't you go back to it? If things are still not looking as good as you want them to here in this country, even with vaccines out, you go back to the bubble, you know it works, you know you're not going to get players testing positive a whole lot, if any. So just find a way to push through until then, get the bubble set up, and then you're good to go, and then the season's done, and you'll push through. I think that's what you got to do if you're the NBA and try to find a way to push through this period. It's not looking good right now. It's not looking good. But you're just going to find a way, tighten up these protocols, make sure the players understand them and know that there'll be consequences if they don't follow them. And try to make it through this season. If you have to figure some difficult stuff out along the way. Fine. You're going to have to do it. But you'll just have to push through. Like all these other leagues have done. And I think with how they've been pushing through. The, with the with these leagues. With the MLB. With the NFL. You're, you're probably going to see Adam Silver. Have that same type of mindset. And say hey. We just got to keep on keeping on. We knew this was going to happen. We got to find a way to make this through. All those other leagues did. Now it's their turn. So with that being said, let's talk some college football and finish up the college football season. Let's wrap a bow on it, everybody. With the national championship being held on Monday. Now there's a couple things going on outside the game. That includes some coaches. Steve Sharkeesan. Going to be the head coach at Texas. Who's maybe going to hire his offensive coordinator. It's probably looking like Bill O'Brien. Good luck with that. <laughs> Although, with this case, you don't have to worry about him being a GM and trading one of the top wide receivers in the game. So, that'll be fun to see. The championship game. Ohio State, Alabama. Ohio State, they were missing some guys. Alabama, there's... A tiny bit of hope that Jalen Waddle might find a way to get some snaps in. He did find a way to get some snaps in. I look fine doing that. There was a noticeable limp, but he looked fine. He wasn't going at full speed, but for a guy that had the injury he did a couple just like a few months ago. You know, looked fine, got some snaps in, but there's no need to you know play him. More snaps than he should. To try to risk further injury. And this was a really high scoring game. This was this game was going back and forth. And back and forth. And. Alabama goes up 21 to 14. Ohio State is driving. And. They don't get a touchdown out of it. They kick a field goal. And it's 21 to 17. 
And looking at this game and how it was unfolding, like, well, that's probably the turning point right there. Because Ohio State, from then on, could not keep up with Alabama. They had to score a touchdown there, and they failed to get it. They only got a field goal out of it. That doesn't help you there. And so that really put Ohio State behind the eight ball really for the wrestling game, and you just saw Devontae Smith go off on him. Got hurt a little bit later on in the game, but it didn't matter. Mac Jones was still throwing dimes. Najee Harris still looking great. And Ohio State just had a tough time getting anything going right after that possession early in the in this first half. Just couldn't find a way to bounce back after then. And so now, Alabama wins their sixth title under Saban. Saban now with seven all-time. And this Alabama team, it's already being talked about <laughs> maybe being the best ever. And this is right off the heels of what we saw with LSU last year with Burrow going number one, Jamar Chase going nuts, Justin Jefferson, all those guys, Clyde Edwards-Elayer. It's just incredible to see, and it really goes to show you how Saban really knew that the turning point was like, hey, we can't stick with defense anymore. That's not the game anymore. It's got to be offense. And these last few years have proved that. You know, he I remember years ago that he didn't really like where the game was going on offense with the spread game. Look at him now. He's now utilizing it, and he's got maybe the most lethal offense in college football history with this past team. You know, and I'm really hoping that other coaches, Jeremy Pruitt, looks at this and like, hey, we got to focus on offense. Defense, as much as our forte, it's not going to win anything. We got to make sure we have an explosive offense. So, I won't say congrats Alabama because, I mean, you guys know, I don't like Alabama. Regardless of how bad my balls are, and regardless of how much of a dumpster fire they are, like, literally, I'm not even getting to that. I won't congratulate Alabama. I will not that their offense is, like, like, <laughs> you're probably going to have, I'm trying to think of who all will go in the first round. Devontae Smith will definitely go first round. Jalen Waddle will probably go first round. Maybe Najee? It depends on who the team is. Could it be a Steelers-type team? I think they may have other pressing needs. Looking at the quarterback quarterback spot there for you, Pittsburgh. Uh, Mac Jones, could he find a way to this first round? You know, maybe. There's a lot of teams that need a QB, and for how the class of 22 is projected right now, you might need to go get your guy this year because you don't know how next year's going to unfold. You don't know if you're going to have a Zach Wilson the pop off uh, pop up out of nowhere, come onto the radar. You don't know if that's going to happen. Alex Leatherwood, maybe. Patrick Sertan is going to be a first-round pick. I'm trying to think of anybody else on that on that team that could. 
There's probably somebody, Christian Barmore, who like freaking wrecked Ohio State's offensive line. Now, given Wyatt Davis, Ohio State's All-American guard did go out. Not a not a good injury. I felt bad for him because that that guy could be a first round pick. And to see him get hurt like that, this stage in the season, it's tough. But you know, things like this happen. So you might have five, six guys off this team going to the first round of the draft. And who knows, maybe somebody might improve their stock and find a way to get into the first. But it's just like, yeah, this team was explosive. This team was good. And Ohio State, you got to replace some pieces now. You're probably going to lose a couple of those pieces like Davis, like Josh Myers on the offensive line. Quarterback is obviously something to figure out who you're going to go with next year after with Fields leaving. You're probably going to have... Olave leaving as well, but I think you feel fine because Ohio State just recruits five-star receivers left and right. So, these teams are going to have to replace a whole lot going into next year. I mean, just take a look at this class, the senior class of Alabama. Even though that, you know, college eligibility was weird this year. This senior class, or this 2017 class, if you want to say that, had guys like, I'm trying to think, yeah, Najee, Judy, Ruggs, Devontae Smith, Mac Jones, Leatherwood, Tua, am I missing somebody else? Sertan, oh actually I think, yeah, Sertan was 18. There are several others, so, <laughs> just the fact that you got three guys at wide receiver that are going to go first round and they're going to go top 25 easy easily you got a running back who broke a lot of running back records including some of Derrick Henry's records a guy that at quarterback for Alabama that went top 10 in which it was it was hard to see any guy from Alabama at QB going that high but he was just so freaking talented. And then you got the guy you also you brought in as a, a guy who, you know, might have seen a little bit of reps, but nobody would have expected this. So, I think just taking a look at that list of 2017 guys they brought in just makes me a little bit sad. I probably died a little bit inside when I saw that. It's like, you can't, Tennessee can't even get this production out of couple classes but Alabama they go on they go on a roll and win this game 52 to 24 Mac Jones just um, unbelievable season goes 36 45 in this game 464 and five touchdowns in this game so that's college football this season everybody at a one side note, congrats to Devontae Smith for winning the Heisman. First wide receiver to win the Heisman since Desmond Howard. And a couple decades or plus a few more. Well-deserving, I think. Well-deserving. Nobody could stop him all season. 
Not even Ohio State's defense backs could stop him. He was just torching him left and right. And uh, if he didn't, if he doesn't go out with injury, probably would torch him for a whole lot more. But this is well deserving. Love the speech he gave, and he's off to do big things in the NFL. I'm really interested to see where he goes in this draft, how he'll test, what teams will be interested in him. Could the Dolphins maybe do something at three? Unless they trade that pick for a certain Clemson quarterback, former Clemson quarterback that wants out in Houston? Maybe. But I think this guy really, he did the right thing coming back this year, improving his draft stock, and now he's getting talked about as maybe being the best college wide receiver ever. And so I think if you're doing that great decision by DeMonte Smith by coming back this year, so that's where we're going to wrap it up with college football this year, guys. Again, unless anything big happens, looking at you, Tennessee. I'm looking at you firing Pruitt over there. Unless something big happens, that's where we'll end it with college football. It's been a great season. You know, I don't think a whole lot of us were expecting to get to this point where we found a way to make the college football season a reality and get through it. But here we are. It was a tough road to get here. A lot of people worked their butts off so that we could all get to this point. But a, a way was found to make this all happen. And so I commend those that found a way to make this all happen, who put a lot online to make sure that this season happened. And that it was going to go through. So, shout out to them. Shout out to everybody that figured out how to make it through this season. It was a fun, weird one, to say the least. And here's hoping that next season we can get back to a little bit of normalcy. We'll see how things go from here on to, you know, into the summer into early September. And see how things go from there. But uh, regardless... We made it through this college football season. It was a it was a tough one. It was a unique one, to say the least, but we got through it. So sticking with pro football, let's talk a couple of the big storylines that have happened within the last week. Let's talk about Sean Watson really quick. Who is looking like he might want out of Houston now. As a Times fan, I rejoice in this. But also, holy crap, what would the Texans get for Deshaun Watson trade? What would they get in the trade package? Yeah, the Texans might be bad for a few years, but you're always looking at like how much they got. It's like, hey, look at look at these picks that they got. You're gonna be kind of worried about it if you're a if you're a Titans, Colts, Jags fan. Which, Jags, you're, you're probably going to get Urban Myers, your head coach. I've already talked about that. You're probably a little bit worried about how many years he's going to be there. But, you know, nonetheless, a guy of Urban Myers caliber, great. We're just going to have to see how he will work in the pro level. You know, it's a whole lot different from the college level. We'll have to see how it works. But, now, Sean Watson... What teams could he go to? The one that's been brought up the most is the Miami Dolphins. 
And they got the assets to do it. They got the number three overall pick, the Houston Texans' original pick. They got some other picks that they could offer. And oh, by the way, they can offer two a tongue of Iloa in the trade package. Where Miami trades some high draft choices and they trade a young quarterback who has all the potential in the world to be great. Now, if they do that deal, if you're Tua, you're probably not feeling good. It's like, hey, they had Deshaun Watson. He's great, but they couldn't put any weapons around him. Crap, they traded his best one. What are they going to do with me? Are they going to help me out? What are they going to do to help the offensive line? What are they going to do to give me some threats out on the outside with receivers? Are they going to help me out with the defense a little bit? Because Tua, uh, Tua got helped out by that Miami defense. Now, pretty good it was this year. So if you're Tua, if that trade happens, you got to be a little bit worried about, hey, if they couldn't do anything with Deshaun, what makes them think they're going to do anything with me? Will they do something different with me? So that's a possibility. San Francisco's a possibility. I think people in the NFC would be absolutely terrified to see what Kyle Shanahan would do with a guy like Deshaun, who, the guy's still young. He's only in his fourth, fifth season. He's still really young. And he's got a lot of playing time ahead of him. And of course, the big thing you got to worry about is contract and how you're going to fit that in and who you're going to trade to maybe help salaries a little bit. Maybe not and try to help that. Because, again, we don't know what the cap is going to be this year. We don't know what the cap is going to be. We're still waiting on that. It's Right now, people are saying it's supposed to be around 176, something like that. It could go up to around in the mid-190s. We just don't know what we're going to expect, what, what the cap's going to be. So you might have some stuff to work out there, but San Francisco's a possibility. Maybe Washington? Could be a spot where he can land. Maybe Dallas, if if they don't want to, if they don't want to get Dak in, like, hey, let's get Deshaun in. Let's let's do that. Chicago. Chicago has a chance to get Watson again. They passed on the first time. I think they've learned their lesson. That could be an opportunity for Chicago to try to do something there. It would mean trading a whole lot of assets for him, but you figure out the quarterback spot. You already got a solid defense in place if you're Chicago. So, if you do get a Sean Watson, things are going to be looking really good for you and your chances of competing in the NFC and competing in that NFC North Division with Aaron Rodgers next season and seasons to come. Because he already, that defense is already stout. That's really the thing that really kept Chicago in games this season. You get at a difference maker in the QB spot. And things work out for themselves. So, I'm probably thinking Chicago needs to get on this. Miami probably needs to get on this as well. Unless they're like, hey, we feel, we, we feel fine with Tua. We want to build around him. He's our guy. Let's go get maybe 
Panay Sewell, or let's get Devontae Smith, or let's trade back and get some more picks, and let's try to help our franchise guy out. Unlike how Houston helped their franchise guy out, which means they didn't. So let's do the opposite of what they did, and let's help our guy out. But if they do want to go for Sean, go for it. Guys, young guys, one of the top quarterbacks in the league. And he can keep you in any game. Like, crap. The Week 17 game against the Titans. Titans should have won that game easily. Deshaun finds a way. He found a way to keep that Texas team in there. And they almost freaking won the thing. So that should tell you, hey, this guy will keep you in games. You got got a good defense in Miami. You got a good defense in Chicago. You just got to get the guy. And if you got the guy, things will be looking 10 times better for you than they were already looking. If you got the guy at QB. If you're the Dolphins, you could probably go and compete with Buffalo for the AFC East Championship. If you're Chicago, you have a chance to go try to contend for that NFC North Championship. You know, maybe Dallas once again wants to make a move. San Francisco, if they add him to that division, oh, crap. Like, the NFC East, uh, NFC West was already tough to begin with, but you added Deshaun Watson to that with a division with Jared Goff, Kyler Murray, and Russell Wilson. Holy crap, that's a fun division to watch. And you know, if you're San Francisco, you do have some chances to get a guy like Deshaun, in which you don't have to pay some guys right away. You can, you don't have to pay Nick Bosa for another few years, so you can make it happen. But you probably want to fill out the rest of your team. But I don't know if you get a guy, if a guy like Deshaun Watson's caliber is out there, I think you got to go for it. So I'm, I'm really interested, interested to see where, where's this go? And hey, Houston Texans, you saw what they got for Harden. Try to go get that for Deshaun. Try to. Let's see it happen. But, you know, Houston just has completely butchered this whole thing. And now they're going to, they might lose a guy that's going to, that's gave them a lot of chance to succeed. But they've, they've continually done stuff to kind of, kind of negate his chances of, of being successful there. No weapons, you know. No salary cap to play with to try to get better. Just a middling team or a team with no draft pick. That's not going to help your team out. So probably Deshaun Watson is probably on his way out of Houston. I really like Miami. I like Chicago for him. Chicago trying to redeem themselves there after the Mitch Trubisky debacle. Washington could be a spot. San Francisco could be a spot. For sure. So we'll have to see. It's going to be a interesting time to see if Deshaun gets traded and what he would go for. But I think if it is Miami, you probably have an idea. If it's anybody else, who knows what the uh, what the trade package will look like? It's going to be in, it's going to be insane. It's going to be crazy. So moving on to another team that's had another debacle going on: the Philadelphia Eagles. We talked a little bit about last week about what Doug Peterson did in his game in Week 17. 
sitting Jalen Hurts, players not being happy about it. He goes and gets fired this week. And now Philly's looking for a new head coach. And when that happened, I was like, that's really going to help Carson Wentz's chances of staying there. Because that relationship was already fractured. Now the guy that it was fractured with is out. You really want to see what guy they bring in now. And I think for Philly, the optimal thing to do is to find a guy that Carson Wentz will be on board with. Kind of like the, you know, the whole thing with Aaron Rodgers and Aaron, uh, Matt LaFleur and see if they can get a guy that will mesh well with the with each other. Although, you know, if you if you think about it, a lot of it a lot of the talk after his firing was, you know, Carson had no say in this and I don't I don't necessarily believe that. I think you know, combined with what his decisions were in that week 17 game and also by some of what Carson Wentz said, I mean, I think that Carson did have some say in this. I think he did. I think I think we know better than to not think like, oh, he of course he didn't. Like he he did. I think he did. It's like, hey, this isn't gonna work out. Trade me or fire this guy. And I really think they think Carson Wentz is still the guy there for Philly, even though this season he was awful. And there's a lot of other things that really didn't help, you know, having a lot of players hurt on the outside with the receivers, offensive line with players going down. So I think if you're Philly, you've, you've got to find a guy that can mesh well with Carson. And also, you got to figure out about the Jalen Hurts thing. What do you have there? You know, will you still try to find something for Carson Wentz? To maybe give, maybe give you more draft picks. You know, there's a lot of teams that have some cap space. I'm looking at Indy right now. That has a boatload of cap space, and you don't know what's going to happen with Philip Rivers next. So, do you try to get something for Carson Wentz? Maybe add some more draft picks. Roll with Jalen Hurts. Find a guy that meshes well with him. Also have a lot of draft picks where you can go out and improve your team. Receiver-wise, offensive line-wise, defensive-wise. Maybe that's the, maybe that's the thing. Maybe that's what they need to do. And so it's going to be interesting to see what's going to happen with Philly, who they're going to bring in, who they're going to interview. What's going to happen with Doug Peterson? Will he get another job? Knowing what he did probably played a role into maybe getting him fired. Who knows? There's still a lot of head coach openings out there that are still available. There's some potential spots where you can go be an offensive coordinator again. So, we'll have to see. We'll have to see what happens on both those fronts. But I definitely think Carson did have a hand in this firing, even though they're not they're saying he wasn't necessarily involved in this decision. And also, are you, are you going to keep him or are you going to trade him? Because this does increase the chances of them keeping him, but that does not mean 
that they still won't trade him at the end of the day. So those things will be interesting to watch if you're a Philadelphia Eagles fan and see what happens with those guys. We can have two highly thought of QBs traded this offseason with Watson and then with Winston seeing if he can get rejuvenated and get his career back on track. So let's stay with the NFL and talk some wild card weekend. Super wild card weekend. And I got to tell you, boy, guys, it was a blast. Besides the inevitable thing that I'm going to have to talk about (laughs) here in a few minutes. Absolutely fun weekend. Three games on Saturday, three games on Sunday. And just an absolute blast to see what was going on. Bills and Colts. We'll start with this one first. Bills' first playoff win in 25 years. Good for them. Really happy for Buffalo. They held off a late comeback from Indy. And so now they move on to the divisional round. Indy goes home. And they have to wonder what's next for Phil Rivers. What's next for his career. Are you going to try to draft a QB? Are you going to try to bring in a QB this upcoming season? Are you going to, again, go try to go get Carson Wentz? Try to make a move for him? I think there's a lot of options out there on the table. Maybe Phillip Rivers does want to come back. So you don't know. So Buffalo moves on. Rams and Seahawks. John Wolford was getting the start here, but gets knocked out early. Jared Goff comes in. It wasn't pretty by any stretch. But that Rams defense really made an impact on that Seattle offense. Russell Stats, not too pretty. 11, 27, 174, and two touchdowns. And those are the DK Metcalf. Cam Akers had himself a ball game. 28 carries, 131 yards. I believe he had 150-something per- all-purpose yards. And he had a touchdown on the ground included into that. And so the Rams, they move on, take down Seattle at home with a date against Aaron Rodgers at Lambeau next week. Have fun with that, Rams. Buccaneers at Washington. Props to Taylor Heineke. You know, he got hurt there a little bit. You were wondering if they are going, going to go with Montez there, throwing a rookie who had never seen an NFL snap into a playoff game against Tampa Bay and Tom Brady. Thankfully, Heineke comes back. Washington don't pull doesn't pull it off. Tampa wins 31-23. I don't think Washington got the pressure that I thought they were going to get on Tom. But, you know, what I thought this game was going to be, it turned out to be like that. Washington kept this game close. It was going to be a lot closer than people thought. And Washington gave them a battle, for sure. And Heineke, again, props to him. But, you know, it just wasn't enough to overcome Tom, Tampa, and Tampa. They're moving on with another date with the New Orleans Saints next week. So if you're Washington, you got to figure out what's going to happen at QB next season. Are you going to have Alex Smith in there? Are you going to try to bring in somebody? Do you maybe make a move for Deshaun and try to help that team out? Because, I mean, look at it. You bring you bring in Deshaun. You got a stacked defensive line. You don't have to pay Chase Young for several years. Same thing with Montez Sweat. Allen, you might be coming up on paying him. Deron Payne. 
worry about him. But other than that, you could probably make that move and continue to add some pieces there. So, not a bad season for Washington. They overcame a lot this year with their QB situation with Alex Smith coming back with Ron Rivera and his battle with cancer. They overcame a lot. And even though the NFC East was horrible, I'm really I I I love what they did. I love the adversity that they battled th- through this year, especially with Smith with Rivera. But Tampa, they go and move on, and play New Orleans next week. Ravens at Titans. Let's talk about this game for a little bit. Now, a couple of interesting things happened here that I predicted right, unfortunately. That fourth and two call that the Titans decided to go punt on. My parents were in another room watching, and me and my sister were in the living room watching. And I told my sister right after that happened, they are going to regret that. Because that could have been a chance to change the tie of the game. Even and even though Derrick Henry was not having his usual game. And by the way, the play calling, I don't get running him on first down almost every single time. If it's not working, go and do something else. Find AJ. Find Corey if you can. Johnu, Ferkser, Pruin, Batson or whoever. You know, find somebody. They punted on fourth down. I told her they're going to regret that. They should have gone for it. They should have gone in and given themselves the best chance to win. And that's not on par with a Mike Vrabel team right there. If you've watched the Titans along with me, you know what Vrabel's style is. He does have the guts to go for something like that. And in a playoff game like this at home, your first home playoff game in years, after you just won the division for the first time in years, you got to go for it. And yeah, I know it gives the Ravens good field position, but crap, the Titans defense actually came up to play Sunday. They had four sacks. That was almost a quarter of their whole production this whole season. That tells you how bad it was. But the defense did fine. Now, yeah, sure, Lamar did have his way on the ground. But again, the Titans' defense was actually doing pretty well, all things considering. Just that the offense laid an egg. And also, coming back from that two-minute warning... And we and we get the ball, and I'm like, it's the old Star Wars saying, I have a bad feeling about this. Well, I turned it on his head a little bit. It's like, I got a feeling something bad's about to happen. Sure enough, it happens. I don't know what happened with Raymond right there. Marcus Peters intercepts it. Ryan should have probably just thrown it up to AJ like he did in the Texans last week. And just toss up there, it was like, well, crap, he's down there somewhere. Just throw it up to him. But Marcus Pierce goes and gets the interception. And, of course, we have the stomping on the logo. We have the Ravens not dapping him up at the end. The whole logo thing, listen. I think it was a, it was a little bit different than what the Titans did. The Titans did it pregame. They didn't necessarily stomp on them. They just met up at the middle of the field. And that was that. The Ravens took offense to that. 
But I was just listening to a segment yesterday with Lawan and Will Compton, who's got their own podcast together. They were talking about like what they've done this whole season. Like they did that going back to last season in the division round. They did something similar to that. Where was the animosity then? So then they go and do this here, and the Ravens go get all mad about it. If you're going to get mad about it, be mad the first time, not the second time. So, I mean, and Ed Reed, I know how Matt reveres Ed Reed, and a lot of Raven fans do. Even Ed Reed said the whole thing was classless. And so if you're a Ravens fan, who are you going to listen to? You're going to listen to Marlon Humphrey? Peters? No, you're going to listen to Ed Reed. That guy's going to be better than both those two combined. You got to listen to them, but like, it, with just this whole thing going on with the Titans and Ravens the last couple of years, like, this is a rivalry for sure. It already was leaning that way with some previous matchups before, but with the three matchups in this last year, it, it, it's really looking like it's going to be a hard fought rivalry. And I hate that those these two teams aren't playing next year with the schedule already being released and with the opponents. You're just going to have to hope for a playoff matchup between these guys. And, you know, I probably was a little bit short-sighted because the last couple times these teams have played in the playoffs, the road team has always won, and I probably should have gone with the Ravens then, you know, with them being the road team. So if these two, two, if these two teams play again, I better hope for the Titans to have a road game, <laughs> if, if I'm being honest. But the Ravens, they move on. And, you know, I, th- I thought they were going to get a matchup with the Chiefs. But, uh, no. T- another team in the AFC spoiled that. Uh, before that, Saints-Bears game. I mean, Saints win this game. The thing to talk about this game is them having it on Nickelodeon. I thought this was great, fantastic for... Uh, for Everybody included, even for the adults that were turning on Nickelodeon, making them feel like a kid again. You know, the one thing I saw mentioned continually is, you know, Manti Teo playing for the Bears. Like, uh, how did the kids explain about uh, Manti Teo? How did they explain uh, his particular, uh, particular interesting part of his story there, if you know what I'm talking about? How did they explain that to a bunch of kids watching? But I think this is just a great way to get kids involved and interested in the game, introduce them to the game, help them teach them about the game. I really thought this was fun. Uh, amazing that they did this. And I think, you know, with I think it was a success. And I think they should probably try to do this next year. Try to find a, try to find a way to do this next year. You maybe don't try to do it in the regular season, but I think you do try to have something similar like this where you have a game on Saturday or Sunday, be on Nickelodeon, and you just have fun with that, and you introduce a whole new generation of fans into the NFL. You bring them in, and you kind of teach them about what football is, who are these guys about, what what guys on what teams are really good, and what guys are not. <laughs> And try to teach them about the game. I really liked it. It was a great experience. It was great seeing everything evolved in it. And Sean Payne said he was willing to get slimed if they won. And I hope he did. But I think it was just a fun thing that they did all around. I think the adults had a blast watching it. And the kids, I think, 
probably had a blast with it as well. Because they got to watch the NFL. They got to learn a little bit about it. Even if, you know, they didn't really care about the NFL. They got something tied into it that they would be interested in. That is cartoons, fun, Nickelodeon, Spongebob aspects. Oh, who am I kidding? Even the adults probably love some of that stuff. But either way, I thought this was very successful for the NFL. And I hope they do it again. Final wild card game to talk about. The team that played spoiler to the Ravens not playing Kansas City. The Cleveland Browns. These don't look like the same old Browns, do they, Pittsburgh? Nope. Browns, 48. Steelers, 37. Look, Big Ben's stat line was just insane. 47 to 68. That's nuts. Okay, it gets a little bit crazier. 500 yards. Okay. Four touchdowns. That's pretty good. Four interceptions. Yeah. Not a good look for the Steelers here. But for the Browns, what a way. You know, us, us against the world, that mentality, going into Pittsburgh and knock off the Steelers. When you, you've had trouble against them for so long, you go into Pittsburgh, knock them out of the playoffs, and move on to the divisional round in the playoffs. And they hadn't made the playoffs again in 18 years. And so now they move on, and they get to go play Kansas City. So all I'll say is uh, good luck to that. Uh, <laughs> and even though Chase Claypool's comments, look, take him how you want him. I think he's probably right. They're probably going to get beat by by Kansas City. We'll just have to see what Kansas City does this week. You know, Clyde Edwards Elayer, he's coming back to practice. See what uh, that does for Kansas City and getting their first round pick back. So that'll be fun to see. And for the Steelers' sake, what's going to be Big Ben's future? You know, there's a lot of you know, camera footage of him sitting on the sidelines by himself after the game. Pouncey was going over to him, you know, and things looked like they got really emotional and you don't know what's going to happen next for Big Ben. Is this it? Will the Steelers try to find a quarterback if Big Ben leaves? Or do they feel Mason Rudolph is a guy? He's not. Maybe they try to go find a guy in the draft. Maybe they go up and try to get their guy. Maybe... They want a guy like Trask or Mac Jones, or they want to trade for one of these guys. Who knows? We're just going to have to see and see if this is Big Ben's last hurrah and see if that's it for the legendary quarterback. But congrats to the Browns for moving on. Who would have thought? Who would have thought, man? I I still can't believe it. So that leaves us to this weekend. Divisional round, Rams, Packers, Ravens at Bills are the Saturday games. Browns, Chiefs, Buccaneers, Saints are the Sunday games. For the Rams, you're a little bit worried about Aaron Donald. If you're, if he's going to be fine, suffered a little bit of an injury there in that Seattle game. See if he's going to be 100% effective against this Aaron Rodgers-led Packers team. There's no David Bakhtiari, so that already hurts the Packers' offensive line right there. How are you going to handle the Jalen Ramsey matchup? Because Jalen Ramsey is probably going to be guarding Devontae Adams all game and see if he can do to him what he did to DK Metcalf. So if you're the Rams, you're hoping that 
this defense comes up to show comes up to play, that Aaron Donald makes an impact even though he's hurt, that Aaron and that Jalen Ramsey does a really good job against Devontae Adams. But I mean, you still gotta be worried about number twelve back there. And the green and yellow. You gotta be worried because he can make anything happen right there. He can win the MVP. And there's a reason for that this year. He's he's looked awesome. I got the Packers winning this game. They're favored by six and a half. And also, what what Jared Goff are we going to get? You know, the other QB behind him is Blake Bortles. Oh, man. I think this thing I want to see, Blake Bortles against Green Bay. It would be awesome. Uh, well, you know, you got to be worried about Jared Goff and, you know, how he performed and take that into account. So, this seems like another game. The Rams defense is probably going to have to win it for him. And Cam Akers is going to have to have another pretty good game. He's been really solid here the last few weeks. He has. He's really cemented himself as the feature back there in that Rams offense. It took him a while, but it looks like he's got that spot locked up right now. Ravens at Bills. I'm really interested to see how the Ravens attack this game because the Bills are... Stylistically, a whole lot different than the Titans offense. Josh Allen is a guy that should get some MVP consideration, even though you know it's going to be Mahomes and Rodgers. He's had just an awesome season as well. And Stephon Diggs, how are you going to guard him? And for the Bills, how are you going to handle Lamar? What are you going to do? How are you going to guard him and guard that offense? The Bills are favored by two and a half, and I feel comfortable taking the home team. I think this will be a fun game to watch these two quarterbacks from that 2018 class battle it out and see these two guys go go face each other. But I got the Bills there to win this game with Buffalo and move on to the AFC Championship. Sunday, the Chiefs, big favorites, 10-point favorites over the Browns. If the Browns could get some things to go their way, get some players to come back, if they get Stefanski to come back, then it's already better than it was against Pittsburgh because you're getting a lot of key pieces back for that team on the, on the roster and on the coaching staff. You got to hope Nick Chubb has a great game. Baker plays really well. Jarvis Landry plays really well. You got to hope for a lot of things to go your way if you're Cleveland. But I just don't think they're going to make it past Kansas City. Kansas City, I think they're going to move on to, to the AFC Championship game. And we're going to get Mahomes versus Allen. Boy, that's going to be a fun AFC Championship game if that if that comes to pass. It's going to be a fun one. Buccaneers at Saints. The Saints have knocked off the Bucks twice this year already. And this is the game. I think if you're the if you're a Bucks fan, like okay, you guys can have the first two, but we'll take this one because if you win this one, a it means we got to win on y'all, and b. It means we make it to the NFC Championship game, and you guys don't. So I think I think if you're if you have a guy like Tom, I think that's probably your mentality. If you're this Bucks team, like, yeah, you guys won the first two games, but this game matters more than those two games. So we'll take this one if we have to win one. At New Orleans, you really don't know about Drew Brees. Like, this this is gonna be his last go around. Like, he, he just looks shot. 
Like I, I think R- Philip Rivers looks a little bit better than Drew Brees. At least Rivers still has a little bit of his arm left. Brees, that's hard. That's uh, it was hard to watch him play a little bit in this game Sunday. It was hard. So if the Saints win, Kamara's going to do well. Thompson's going to have to ball out, and that defense is going to have to come up to play against an offense that's really found its stride. You don't know about Ronald Jones, but if you got Tom back there, no need to worry. Gronk, Braith, Evans, A.B., Godwin, and then you got that defense. So if you're the Bucks, you have the offense that's come up to play these last few weeks and played really well. Show out, and if you're the Saints, you got to hope for your two-star players on offense to play well. And hope for the defense to come out and play as well. For a lot of these teams, you really got to hope the defense comes out to play. For the Rams, you do. I think for the Bucks, you kind of have to. For the Saints, you especially have to hope they come out to play. And if you're, you're the Browns, you got to hope that, you know, Miles Garrett gets some pressure on Mahomes. Denzel Ward being back helps them out. So really a whole lot of riding on a lot of these defenses here this week and trying to help these teams win, in particular for a couple teams. But Saints favored by three. I don't think I can go against the Saints at home. So that means a Packers-Saints matchup at Lambeau, if that were to happen, that would be the matchup for the NFC Championship game. If not, you get Tampa versus Green Bay, most likely in the NFC Championship. Fun matchups either way. I just think the Saints are going to beat the Buccaneers. I'm not going to going against the Saints. I can't. But who knows? Again, the Tom Brady mentality. This is the one game between them that matters. Those other two didn't. This is the one that matters because we can knock them out. So anything can happen. But I'll go with the Saints here to win this game. That'll do it for us here, everybody. Another good show. Talking about everything going on in the sports world. Hope you guys enjoyed it as well. As always, hope you guys are doing well. Stay safe. We're still going through a whole lot right now with this pandemic. So keep on keeping on, everybody. We do have some football going on. We do have some basketball, even though some of these games are getting postponed. We still got a lot of stuff going on. So keep on keeping on, guys. That'll do it for us here. Thank you guys again so much for listening. And we'll talk to you guys next time.